Aloha mai kako. Welcome to the Live Ukulele podcast. My name is Brad Bordessa and this episode is very special to me and in my opinion. I think that it's going to be kind of a dark horse episode, something that I wasn't even sure would be a main episode, but as I got to editing it and putting it all together and listening back to my guests and I I fell in love with it and I think that it's really going to be interesting for you folks especially the ones who have a deep connection to Hawaii or a love for Hawaiian music and Hawaiian culture and things like that because on the podcast today is my super good friend Hualalai Keohuloa I'll get into a little bit of backstory because I think Hualalai is unknown to pretty much anybody who's going to be listening to this podcast. He's kind of a local legend, but not super well-known outside of that. And so a little bit of backstory is going to help you to understand who the heck this guy is, how the heck I know him, and all that kind of good stuff. But before we do that, got a couple of announcements coming in. Live Ukulele is back on Facebook. Not necessarily because I want to be back on Facebook, but because I think it's good for business and I would really appreciate it if you go over to Facebook and look up Live Ukulele with Brad Bordessa and give it a like, give it a follow, whatever it is these days. Either or is great. And keep an eye out. I'm going to try and keep things constantly in rotation, keep you know some sort of new post, new content every day and try and get engaged over there. Would really appreciate it if you would join me on that side and maybe even share something that you see of interest to try and help build the following as quickly as we can. Also, later in the month, on the 23rd of March, that is a Saturday, I'm going to be hosting my first Zoom group workshop. Going to be covering, I'm calling it Understanding the Fretboard. And we're going to talk about kind of how the matrix is laid out. You know, the fretboard of the ukulele is very complex and a lot of people struggle to get it memorized, struggle to understand what the heck is happening. And what I want to try and do with this workshop, it's going to be an hour of instruction, is help you get familiar with the chromatic scale, how the chromatic scale jumps from string to string, how you can find any note anywhere on the fretboard without having to actually like have it memorized. You can figure out what the note is in a given place. I'll show you some quick methods to do that. And then we'll also talk about switching strings using um, string transfer shapes, which I talk about in my left hand technique video course. But we'll also cover it here because I think it's really super interesting. And it allows you to play scales from any given note. You don't even have to know what the note is called from any given note across the fretboard so you can get a nice sounding scale and you don't have to actually know what the notes are or what the theory is behind it. All you need to know is the whole and half step pattern for a major scale. And we'll walk through that. We'll try some different examples. And then for half an hour after the workshop, we'll do Q&A if anything during the workshop, you know, you had questions about, can ask those questions or we can go off the rails and talk about whatever you folks want to talk about. So check out the link in the podcast description or go to liveukulele.com slash store. You'll see the workshop right up front there and you can register. It's $20 for the Zoom workshop and the Q&A along with I'm going to be updating my fretboard handout to try and make it more visually appealing. Update it with the information that I now have gained over all the years since I last put it together. And it will be available as a replay, whether you register ahead of time and you join in the live Zoom workshop, or if you want to join in later, you can't make it in person, the replay will be available for viewing. You can register the same way, show up, don't show up, whatever floats your boat. But March 23rd, it's a Saturday, check it out, liveukulele.com slash store and click on the workshop card there. Or you can find the direct link in the podcast description. Would love to see you there.
So in 2009, my family moved to the Hamakua Coast in Honoka'a. This was after a year of being back in California. We had been in Kona three years before that, spent a year, 2008, back in California, tried to tidy up stuff, um, and my folks were going to sell the house, and then the economy crashed, and so that went out the window, and we decided, well, there's a, a second job offer for my dad. Please come back, um, and we'll pay to move you guys back out here. And this time we decided to land in Honoka'a. Not too long after that, my brother and I started going to the Hamakua Youth Center, hanging out there, just, you know, cruising, doing what kids do, you know, meet up after school with, you know, the local kids from Honoka'a High School and the middle schools and stuff. And we'd play pool and, and things like that. And so we got involved with uh, Lanakila Manguel, who was doing summer programs there. That was back when he was working at the Hamakua Youth Center. And so like learning Hawaiian culture stuff during the summer program, we were dancing hula, learning chants, and just kind of getting whipped into shape of just like how to be, how to how to act respectfully, how to be mindful of cultural sensitivity kinds of stuff and and really got to firsthand experience that and understand. And sometime, I'm not sure what the time frame is, but we ended up going on a camping trip with one of these summer summer programs and we went to Kapa'a State Park out on the Kohala coast, um, North, North Kohala. And while we were down there, we stayed, I think, a couple nights. Um, there was this Hawaiian diver guy who was there hanging out. He knew Lanakila, and he was cruising with his wife and um, one kid, two kid. Can't remember at that point. Uh, but we were hanging out. It was nighttime. Um, I had never met this guy before, and somebody was cooking marshmallows. We were like doing marshmallows for s'mores or something on the, the barbecue campfire. And we're kind of sitting next to each other, and and he just says like, "What even? What, what is even in those?" Talking about the marshmallows, and I just snotty say right off the bat, "Oh, it's probably like high fructose corn syrup." And from that moment, we were like fast friends. That was just like the perfect thing for me to say in that moment. That's exactly what he wanted to hear in that moment, and so beyond being this amazing waterman and diver and like Hawaiian cultural practitioner and proud Hawaiian Hualalai, it turns out, was an amazing musician, one of the most amazing artists I've ever met, one of the most amazing musical artists I've ever even heard. His music is really something. It's really beautiful. It's really powerful. And it really struck me. And so I made a point of hanging out with Hualalai at every possible opportunity. And he was stoked to kind of hang out with me and mentor. And Hualalai was the first person to ever record some of my music. He had the gear, he had the setup. And it's like, oh, why don't you just come over? And I went over to his his mom's house uh, in Hawaiian Homes in Waimea. And we sat sat in the bedroom and just he would press the buttons and record stuff. I would play the songs, and you know, at the end, I had like a re- a real recording with a decent setup. It wasn't great, but it was decent, good enough to make all the bootleg CDs he made. Um, and I had that recording, and and we were stoked. And and you know, Hualalai is from a Va'a family, kind of a little bit of a black sheep, and he decided that he wanted to build plywood Va'a because it's cheap. Anybody can do it in their backyard. Very super duper low tech and so in the early days he was kind of like figuring out how to build this canoe a sailing canoe a small scale sailing canoe um out of a piece of plywood a couple pieces of plywood and as he was doing that i would go over as often as i could and just hang out at the house and we'd sand stuff and he'd show me how to mix epoxy and we'd epoxy the holes and seal stuff up and paint and whatever needed being to be done and just hanging out with him was super interesting because he would have all these stories and talk about conspiracy theories back when conspiracy theories weren't like a bad thing it was like a interesting side pursuit like oh that's an interesting thing to think about kind of like a mental exercise as opposed to a rabbit hole with no return at the end um well we just talk story i'd learn all kinds of stuff about like hawaiian style culture and things like that 
and we'd jam music. And he ended up taking me out to all these gigs that he had. And, you know, at some point there was a band with full guitar, bass, drums. And sometimes I'd sit in with the ukulele and we'd just play. I guess all I can say is that Hualala is one of the most special people in my life. And I've probably been influenced by him more than anybody else outside of my family. And I just really super value that friendship and that opportunity to be part of that world and to, you know, have those moments and those experiences where we've been out in the most random places playing music, jamming songs, and just getting exposed to that has really changed my life profoundly. And so I'm super excited to share our conversation with you folks. I really think that like, this is the version of Hawaii that I know. This is, to me, this is like, people ask, oh, how do you sound Hawaiian? How do you da-da-da-da-da play? The, what are the Hawaiian notes? What are the Hawaiian chords? And like, it's none of that. Because as you'll hear Hualalai talk about, it's, it's just the feeling. It's, it's, you know, being Hawaiian, in his case, actually Hawaiian. And for the rest of us, you know, we try and have that Hawaiian feeling at heart. Um, but yeah, I don't know what else I can say. Um, this might be one that you have to listen to a couple times to catch everything, but a lot, a lot of what Hualalai says is abstract. And to, to me, it's just like second nature. I just like, I know exactly what he's talking about. I know his train of thought, but for other people it might seem pretty far out and weird. Um, but I hope you can connect the dots at least a little bit and understand what he's sharing because I think that like this is really the heart of you know playing Hawaiian music and sounding Hawaiian and honoring Hawaiian culture and all those things it's it's all here it's all here anyways I'll shut up and let the past us share what we're going to share there is some language in this episode so if that kind of thing bothers you probably won't be your jam otherwise enjoy I wonder where it all will go Will we swallow it up and fill it in Will all the stars that show us where We used to drown Back in the day when we would engrave things with stone And lasers were the things that would turn around But we have but everything to continue The style that we have made We put in the grave For our families Because of selfish reasons We all die We have a shortage of water But that's okay Cause we drink For animal milk And animal food For everything we do We seem to abuse we seem to abuse We abuse Just to think They have gone Crazy in the head Just to think What they have said Everything that I can say um. But I'm back in the grass I'm looking at the sky And I want it to come down And they say Don't be so negative Well it's just an electrical charge I saw you that day in my classroom You rose your hand but I took your place cause my voice was louder I interrupted cause I wanted to be the one I wanted to be the one 
to drown out all the lights And show you how dark my soul can be Cause I'll take what's yours After all we're just reflections But can you use me like you do? Well your planet without even thinking <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it's way hot. Wanna get high? So high. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what to ask you. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be an interview, but. <laughs> yes, so. Still alive. Still alive. Will you start maybe by sharing your spiel? That you would always do at shows? <laughs> <laughs> That seems like a good framework for understanding who all the lie. Right. Uh, what do I do? Uh, my name is Wallai, Kiaviluna, Kiohuloa, born in Molokai, raised Pukapu, Big Island, uh, by my Voyagekunu family, where we were able to um, put Voyagekunus on the map, 76 Hokulea. Um, what is it? Oh, I remember it. Our voyage canoes were um, able to were able to inhabit the most isolated land masses in the big, biggest ocean on Earth at a time that most people couldn't swim and they thought that the world was flat like a soda before matching Costco welfare and healthcare with canoe plans to build their houses, build their canoes, and feed their people from all around the world. Um, which I absolutely love. It's like, um, so being from Hawaii, you know, raised in this canoe family, um, you start realizing that canoes are trees and you can't have, you can't even have a guitar without a tree, man. So another line I've been kind of memorizing is the forest is secure by the master canoe builders, but the secret of the chant is who enjoy their work mm. so, so you can do anything you want you can plant food you can save people but if you're not enjoying it you might as well just chuck it all on things that's kind of been like my huh. what yeah. I've been getting out of the age living here in Hawaii nice yeah well how did you get started playing music in such a unique style I mean you're like super Hawaiian you're more Hawaiian than most Hawaiians just by my blood percentage or whatever. But then you don't really play Hawaiian style music and you've got this crazy amalgamation of that goes from Rage Against the Machine to Tool to Pink Floyd to Bob Marley to Jack Johnson kinda. Maybe not. <laughs> no, totally. It's super crazy. Like first and foremost, my mom. Uh, my mom wrote Hawaiian music. Um played Hawaiian music, hung around a lot of musicians. And um, and she played stuff like Moody Blues, Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, um, what's his, uh, Aerosmith, you know, all the things. And when my mom moved over to, uh, from Molokai, Molokai actually has a lot of music too. So nice. whether people realize it or not, like Hawaiians love like diversity of music. Like we love country, we love we love um, reggae, I mean, obviously. And, and we actually, Hawaiians love rock. We actually do love rock. Um, funny thing is, though, my core of my music, I would have to say, it comes from my grandma. She was a choir conductor <laughs> in the Mormon church. And my grandfather had actually built a church to, to fit this pipe organ that he salvaged into the building because it needed, like, the acoustics of the building and so my grandmother was a person that i was left um with with my mom because she worked so many jobs and she ran the genealogy room in the choir at the Mormon church so it was like a chore like my grandmother literally had us singing the different octaves i still can't read the stuff to this day but i damn well knew which note she wanted me to sing because if i weren't wasn't hitting it right she um corrected us and it wasn't necessarily her making us learn music, but she definitely used it as a way to keep us in check when it was time to sing. Mm. So, you know, like, so because in Hawaii, 
Um, I mean, there's plenty of time to play and stuff, but there's, you know, in Old Hawaii, everything was done together. So music was at its course. You talk about the parades, old Aloha Day parades, Kamehameha Day parades in Hawaii, they'd shut down the entire towns. And that's kind of my roots. And when you look at also Hokulea, the first voyages of Hokulea, you got George Helm. You have all these amazing guys that were, are the same, like, same like me, like Hawaiians that were playing rock music. Um, and, and a lot of people like, um, Cosby Stills, Nash and Young, you know, just an array of uh, Vietnam vet American music that mm. a lot of these Vietnam vet guys are listening to, you know, that kind of where I guess where my music kind of came from. But it's kind of funny that you say that because I think a lot of Hawaiians kind of go through that. If you look at it's kind of it's always a cool thing. People want to learn each other's stuff. Right. So we never get the, what I noticed in Hawaii. We never get the cool rock bands down here ever. Like, never. So we all have to cover those songs and <laughs> reenact them here, literally. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff we hear, and we wanted to hear it live. I mean, you can get contemporary music dime a dozen, but it's just something about plugging in the amps and feeling like Back to the Future when he turns on the distortion and he strikes the chord and he flies out of his house. Like, <laughs> we all fantasize about it. Like, Dukes of Hazards, no, we didn't have concrete back in the day, so any... You know, walkway to a house might have had a hole in it because that's where we try to be Dukes of Hazards and we end up in the living room kind of a thing because, <laughs> you know, we saw the things, we heard it, but we had to bring it back home. Yeah, I guess that's where music would come from. Nice. In the beginning, yeah. And so do you, did you play much ukulele at the beginning or was it always guitar from the start? It was kind of funny because, like, I, I actually like thinking about it. You know, Hawaii was littered with instruments. I mean, there was always at least 15 people with on strings, if not on a bikini bass or stand-up bass or spoons or washboards or you name it. Like, So it's like, and naturally, like, you kind of sit down and you watch. And I would just go and grab all the broken string ukuleles, banjos, whatever the hell it was. Like, my uncles would have them behind the couch. And you kind of recognize the ones that are workhorses. And nobody would say anything about the cobwebs. And I kind of went and plucked away. And it's cute because in, in my time, there was radio and even television was a thing. It was only on for like maybe four to six hours max. So entertainment was like fire barbecues, shooting guns, and like playing music. So everybody jammed. You got bored. So you had every generation was on something, you know. Right. There was even these... um electric harps that would pop up i noticed that there, there was kind of a fad in the late 80s but they would be in the like living room Irish harp no it's like a yeah like a it's a plastic thing that lay, puts on your lap and there's like there's like these like brass like like keys and you can like strum it and oh, like, like the auto harp yeah yeah auto harp yeah like plenty hmm. plenty of the churches were busting it out and it was pretty cool and those are the things that we'd go like yeah we kind of pick up the that the ukulele and the bikini was super cool it was always a bikini there's one string you know and just all ear mm -hmm. and and yeah it's kind of cool and by the time you you, you kind of touch something uh, a younger cousin or somebody would immediately go like oh yeah put your finger over here put it over here and they a lot of them made it feel like it was really easy to do you know kind of a thing so you had a lot of yeah pick up that kind of stuff and then there's always like like um the worst parts of the beginning steps of music were like a lot of us just hitting the wrong notes and singing on the wrong chord, but that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. It's the only way you find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of my listeners are, they're, they're a little more Western and sort of have the, the impression that it's all got to be right. It's all got to come out right the very first time. Right. And that like, if you goof it up and you have to learn in that way, that that's like very embarrassing, but it's very much, not the case in like real world backyard learning how to play the ukulele style so. yeah it's like i honestly like that's a really interesting point but i i i say i talk a lot about music it's like as far as being able to speak on a microphone and all that but it's kind of a thing where like we all can sing and i tell my kids this all the time all the things you're easy at no problem but it's talented people when they find the one thing they got to put a little effort into, it's like we go run away to our talents. But it's that one thing where it's like, yeah, you got to 
a lot of things in life, you got to earn it. Right. And a lot of people get embarrassed. And Hawaii is loaded with it because we're just this gnarly habitat. So it's like, oh, you don't want to go surf, but we're surrounded by ocean kind of a thing. <laughs> you don't want to go to mountains, well, we're surrounded by all this habitat. So it's like you got to kind of, you know, eventually you, you're going to want to, yeah, learn how to pick up some things with effort versus just being handed to you all the time. Hmm. I think music has great like that. You can... You can see your progression and the time you put into it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. How did those backyard sessions and stuff like that, how does that relate with like just general lifestyle? Because it's obviously a very close part of it, but like hanging out with Uncle George Kahumoku, he always said that, well, music is only 10%. Of life, even for like a touring professional musician, right, right, right. and the number would always change because it was fish stories or whatever. But it was like it was like a very low percentage of life, and everything else was farming and whatever else was going on. Right. How did how did you come to that in in your family that is a famous you know va'a family, the Bertelmans? I think music was a thing. Yeah, my grandmother targeted hymns that talked about love, and then. She translate Hawaiian songs that talk about love, vice versa. So she, so basically, like with the prayer thing and the Hawaiian ceremony thing, music becomes that one medium. If you don't fit in those two boxes, that everybody squeezes into. So it's like it was all the time. As like I don't know the way it is for, for our family. As long as it's going, we're working good. You know what I mean? As long as the music's playing, so all the time it almost is looked at as a chore. Yeah. And I even tell people that today. I mean, people set up a party the same, right? Like, they're going to pay the guy to play music to hold the vibe. But that was like, you know, for real, like, one, it kept everybody stoked. We had to do all this work. Two, some people are courting out there. Three, there's kids being entertained while the work is, you know, while they're waiting for the work. And then, and it also chills people out. Like, it, it chills people out. So, one thing I notice about today's world is definitely a hell of a lot less. And um, um, I noticed in the old days, it, it, it kept everybody together. So even though, yeah, Uncle Anthony was hooting, there was hula dancers, you know, outside of the contemporary hotel thing, they were still working. You know, they're keeping everybody psyched and, you know, it, it was part of the whole, it was part of the, the community efforts is like the music hmm. big time i mean we shut places down for the music because it would accumulate the people and you know these parades weren't just parades they're you know there were all these hundreds of heads of horses and things that were being maintained through the resources that were brought by all these stuff in the first place so it's like all of it was like kind of like how you see hawaiian music today it, it always put food on the table or you know I kind of think about it a lot because nowadays we got speakers, yeah, and you never hear anybody just jamming. In the old days, you'd be like, jamming a song, and you'd be like, wait, what is that? And we're like, oh, that's my neighbor's PA system. <laughs> and then you're like, you get over there, you know, or whatever. Like, And nowadays, it's just tricky. It's like, I don't know, I feel like you pull out an instrument, it's like a moment of silence. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> yeah it's like a big pressure thing as yeah. opposed to like, what is it bluetooth in your iphone to yeah. the bose speaker yeah. yeah yeah it's heavy it's heavy and i think i think that's you know the good thing about people having access to music quickly is oh it's so cool listen to it all but then it kind of keeps us from making our own yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah 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 i find that like i i never listened to a lot of ukulele music which is, I think, a lot of where my sound came from. Well, it's kind of funny too. Me too. And then I play like corn stuff on my ukulele. Like you can play blind on ukulele <laughs> yeah. because it's kind of like a... Because that's all you know. Simple. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want to play. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I love about ukuleles. They're like bodyboards. There's a lot of guys that surf here, but it costs money to take a board on the plane. And so, it, and it does with a guitar. Nowadays, especially after like COVID and all these wars, it, they charge you for your guitars on Hawaiian Airlines. But it's like a ukulele... You just just carry it right on. Yep. And you're just like all fingers going. Every guy that plays strings is like, Can I try the thing? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you wanna play an ukulele song? I could try. I'll play an instrumental. 
How's that? Whatever you like, do. Okay. <laughs> I remember when I was in um. When I was in high school, I played ukulele a lot because you could carry it in between classes. And I was a vegetarian, so I kind of had this like weird line in school. And I was always on the voyaging canoes, which is still kind of weird. And I was known for bringing my ukulele everywhere. Like, and I just jammed 24-7. Like, something about it's portable. Israel Kamaka Viva Ole could shut down a whole stadium with a four-string ukulele. Did you did you grow up like watching anybody play and like getting tips from them or is that all like totally self taught? No, I I got plenty plenty tips from plenty of people. Like Khalil Bertelman, I remember was super like not random in my life. You know, we didn't have like a ton of experiences, but my cousin Khalil used to play bass and he would take the time out to actually help me with my fingers when I was a little kid, like long time ago. Like nobody cared kind, but and then um my mom, of course, helped me, and I got to watch a lot of people. That's one thing I noticed. People would start start to turn away from you when they figured out that you were learning from them sometimes. <laughs> so I made sure I was careful about that. And then the weirdest thing, like, is Molokai. Like, I go visit Molokai, and all the uncles over there, like, if you're a kid and you're touching instruments, they want to teach you things. Really? And that's where I learned my first scale from Sashomon, of all people. Um... My cousin was like really close to Sasha Man, and he was the first guy that I actually knew that could do a solo. Like, and it wasn't anything crazy, but I was like, oh, wait, like, you know, like American kind of solo, like plenty slack key guys and everything, but this guy's over here doing like the. Um... And I was like, oh, that's the blues, you know? I'm like, can you teach me that? He's like, yeah, I'll teach you that. So he taught me that. I was like, You know the thing, uh, and the, the the whole Jimi Hendrix thing, and and and, and he was doing like some mellow solos, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I was like, "Can you teach me that?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." And it's the only scale I know, but it's like the. <laughs> and like it's it's stuck now. I'm like I could just cheat the hell. Like, stuff like that mm. and then my cousins that I played in a band in high school was this next level he's playing Japanese I mean just had all the instruments all the cabinets I was like trying to keep up with them with my 6x9 PA that I made from all these old car door speakers and they could just shred like they just had the natural talent he taught himself how to play music 
reading books like yours, like more visual tablatures. And then the guy would pound through in no effects, all the albums of no effects, like all these, all the bad religion, like all these gnarly guys that kind of had like crazy riffs. And um, he would teach me a little bit too. And to be honest, I barely got any of it with a great assault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I fill it all in with my mouth noises. <laughs> so people are like, oh, you play music? Like, no, I make noises. And and it's funny because like you're saying earlier, so many people ask me to play music and then they ask me, You don't play any Hawaiian music? And I, I always tell them, I don't think I couldn't play Hawaiian music. <laughs> Because I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know? It's like, even if it's rock, it's, it's fucking it's Hawaiian music. It's Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is Hawaiian anyway? It's IAN after Hawaii. It's like, well, we're making shit up. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just make it Hawaiian music. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to say, it's high school though, and you really get like, I get introduced to bands like Korn, Tool, Devtones, Alice in Chains, um, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, like that really system of a down that have these like these different rhythms, broken up rhythms, and also in context of illegal occupation and state of the world, all the things, and I was like, oh, what's that all about? And felt all that emotion and coming from Hawaii it's kind of cool because we feel the emotion but we get barrels and sunshine so it kind of you know kind of <laughs> like yeah it's cool we get we get kind of inspired but it's different and um I feel like that really opened up not necessarily music as like going out there and doing it but just for myself it was just cool like to like hear that kind of stuff and and drive around with it Hmm. Yeah, look out the window and be like, oh, oh that's cool. Like, like system, you look, listen to Armenian, Armenian guys, like three note, three key kind of thing, like us, like nose flute, you know, just kind of feel that that vibe. Right. Buried underneath the new music, but it's not, it's like still has the roots of like all these cultures and stuff. They never had Bluetooth. They, everybody was sitting around bored in the desert, you know? Snow <laughs> desert, sand desert, ocean desert. They're like, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> Something other than kill each other. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So you kind of had like, I mean, you still do because you're an amazing artist, but like you at one point you were out touring and kind of had like a career and made the bootleg homemade CDs. And I've got a lot of, a lot of your old songs. I think I have more than most people because I have, Somewhere under my bed, your collection of all the all the old burn CDs. Somewhere keeping those safe for you. Yes. <laughs> Just let me know when you want them back. <laughs> yes, that's good. Actually, hold on to them. There's so much I don't have. Yeah, yeah I've definitely like Hawaii. If anybody's been to the state of Hawaii, like music is a different monster here. Yeah, contemporary contemporary music rules, and it also rules when people bring stuff in. So if you're an original artist here. It's, it's, you know, it's, it can get very discouraging, like, being a musician. Meow, default, like, me and my cousins used to play stuff that we thought would chase people away. But it backfired on us. And then we ended up in parties and on stages without even a band name. And um, what happens is, like, throughout the years, I started realizing, like, I have a few friends that teach me, like, how to... So basically, I kind of figure out the farmer's market, you know, the... There's a way to make a living in Hawaii in music. It's like farmer's market and there's the brunches at the hotels. It's very limited things, you know. Um, you have a lot of like community events like Bill 182 or or like like help the forest or stop the bombing. You know, like you got to hit those vendors, like those cultural vendors. So it's, it's just slim pickings. Um, so I figured out was just kind of riding the cycle of this is what I like to do. And then maybe when I'm like 23, my, my cousin that does contemporary music and we start writing music together, he teaches me a valuable lesson. He's like, let's go play at Daniel T. Bowles. I'm like, what? Like, I, I sing stuff unfiltered, literally. And um, I'm like, 
what are we going to do? We're going to play Rod Stewart. I'm like, what? Like, I don't, he's like, no, trust me, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay, okay. And I, I love my cousin because like, he's just hilarious as hell and whatever. So yeah, he goes, we go to the bank, we break a $100 bill and we slip it in the tip jar. And then we didn't even set up our instruments and he goes back to the truck and he lights a cigarette. And I'm over here getting ready. He's like, no, 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 relax, relax, watch. <laughs> and I start walking up the stairs and putting tips in the tip jar before you start playing music. <laughs> so it's ways, why is there smooth about it? It's like a, it's like a selling lychee on the side of the road. It's like, you got to do way more than just, just jam a song. And, um, and yeah, so you do that. And then on top of it, yeah, you're over here like, oh yeah, everybody's clapping. Yeah, check out your, check out the omelet station over here. Brother man's yeah, tip your omelet guy. You know, like <laughs> kind of show how to psych everybody up. Like, hey, you got this voice over here. Next thing you know, you're getting free omelets on the side. You know, everybody's telling you to park closer over here. You're telling him, oh, I don't do that funny spelling stuff, but mahalo you, you know what I mean, kind of a thing. And it just, you, like, it, that's the thing about music in Hawaii is just, like, I kind of found those happy medium places. And then as I get older, right, it's like, you got a platform to speak. It makes it really dangerous. I have to say, like, music's got me, like, into really cool situations, and music has definitely got me on the cross. Because you know, now you can talk. So, like, oh, you can say, sing a story about an experience, and then you can say something after. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I can mess with this. You know, I can mess with it. So, I don't know. In, in the end, I've only done bootleg CDs. So, like, never released a real album, but whatever, what I've been able to do, you know, Hawaii pays, like, anywhere from 25 to $75 on average. I mean, that's kind of a thing. If you're going to play at a party, sometimes you see a 200 kind of a thing. And unless it's a bigger overhead kind of a project that you're doing like um, workshops in between, you're not going to see anything close to a thousand or more with that. So um, just kind of like <clears throat> using, you know, I'm not using music, but yeah, music basically, I have to be honest, it's, it's, it's built on my canoes, it's planted on my kalo, it's bought on my plane tickets. And it's got all the invites from around the world. Like people will see the canoes and all these crazy things, but it's actually been my music. And I haven't made any crazy amount of money on my music at all. But it's the consistency of weekends and small things that um, I could put gas in my car regularly just with a little shalang lang lang. <laughs> and I love music because it's the least, like I do a lot of cultural stuff and state of the world crap, but music is just chill. Super chill. A lot of times you feel that pressure all the way up to the mic, but I swear, like for me personally, as soon as that mic cracks and I play the guitar, everybody's there to entertain me. <laughs> right. For real. Thank you everybody for showing up. I was kind of getting bored, you know. <laughs> for one, I'm not an entertainer and uh, going to come here and entertain you, but um, there's a tip jar over here. Last quarter, uh, three quarter Hawaiian and a uh, dangerous species capital of the world, though. <laughs> Help me stay alive. <laughs> yeah. I think music, you know, primarily with all cultures too, when you look at it, it's the way they express their values and it's also the way they express when they're in distress. Hmm. Yeah. I mean look at Cypress Hill and like Tupac, like yeah. in distress, you know, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, we're in distress, Zapatistas, you know what I mean? Cover all faces, all one face, we move. We move like the Mongolians, you know what I mean? Like, mess with us and we'll fertilize our fucking masa with, <laughs> with your microbes in your gut. Loco, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we played up, we played a ton of weird random places all over the place. Um, I mean, but like, some of the most special for me that stuck out was playing on the Mauna and just being able to like, have have that window of that was one time when I did not feel like I was being entertained by the crowd because the crowd was its own kind of awesome. It was like all the heavy hitters and you know the people you want to have in your court. It was like all the coolest people, and I was just yeah, that was such a, a radical time, and it's I think it's wonderful that. I really appreciate the fact that you have that kind of more 
maybe political isn't the right word, but like aware angle of your music where it's like, it's always really had a sharp edge. And then what you say to go along with it also drives that home, but not in an aggressive, abrasive way. It's always accessible and fun and funny, but you always make the point. And I think that that's really rubbed off on me and made me aware that that is something that music can do. And it can be that window to a moment where you're, playing on the mountain in front of like some of the most awesome people in the whole world in that moment and you know watching your best friends get arrested and put in paddy wagons yeah it's super heavy that you know yeah back up a little bit okay. this guy interviewing us is brad Vanessa. i'm sure you guys <laughs> all know but brad's an amazing kid like he comes in you know, at a time where, like, taro and canoes and hula and language are, like, on a whole nother level in Hamakua. And Brad comes from an awesome family, like, super talented. And this guy is the only one with the ukulele. And we meet him at the Hamakua Youth Center. And right off the bat, the kid's super talented, super smart, fast learner, like, super fast. I, I, I almost felt like, you know, because we're in the we're in Hawaii, so our resources are kind of slim when it comes to you know music. But he was so talented, and like with with all of it, Brad learned ukulele so fast. He learned culture, he learned language. So yeah, fast forward, you know, like to the mountain, which is a really challenging time for a lot of us. And this is pre Hollywood Mauna. Right. This is before you know, it was this cool. This is before. I mean, 90% of the people who were there 2019 were probably against, if not were embarrassed by what everybody was doing in 2015. And what was unique about that time when we jammed is we're there to support our best friends, families, and comrades, whatever you want to call it. And um, the truth is, when it comes to humanity, even down to our leadership, whether cultural, political, or whatever, we're fucking lost. Right. We're lost. And um, going back to the beginning of our interview, it was music that structured our community. It literally structured us. It kept us on track. And um, you look at all the olis and the chants, they were remembered after. Keep on rocking in a free world. And then it's like, hey, and not to be like that, but it was, you know, like it was. And um, so here we are. I'm responsible for this kid. He ain't no kid no more, but it's like, <laughs> I still have to deal with people that want to come and learn how to cross channels, like from here to Mali. And it's like, I feel responsible for this kid. So, I'm working for the Department of Interior and the Department of Education at the time, and which puts my job in a very dangerous situation. So we couldn't go up that day. I made the choice not to go up. And we're to the top. To the top. A lot of us were in that position. We're there to support, but we also had to be clear of like where we wanted to be. And this is this is what I love about Brad. And um, especially when I met him, because I, I walked this path my whole life in very few very few stay by my side. Very few. Especially when my mouth starts running after my songs. And it's like, what do we do? It's like what we always do. Like I always roll with a battery-powered PA system and a generator or something, right? And like, it's like, yeah, well, if we don't know where we are in our community, we know what we are. We know what we good at. We know what we got to do. And we jam. And it was amazing because this little thing, I mean, not to be like that 2019 <laughs> link on the bottom of the bio. If not, knock on my door, wave my canoe in. By all means, shakas and smiles. But it, it, we, it went from a couple of songs that were unreal. Next thing you know, all these guys are scatter beans, are all accumulating together. And yeah, other guys like talk, you know, they like talk. And they start giving instruction or put the tent over here, put the tent over here. And funny thing is, is this whole Kamuala community that I come from. I'm like, that should have been the first step, you know, that's who we are. Like, that's where I kind of, kind of, I kind of wonder sometimes because Lili Okalari, I mean, yeah, the drama is gnarly, but, but you look at the music she wrote 
you know? Focus on the music she wrote. Play those songs. Like Bob Marley. Look at Bob Marley. Bruh, you go walk in his shoes, you might have a bullet hole through you. Know I mean? Like, the songs are great. The songs are good. Yeah. It's the only part of it, of life. You know, like, it, it, the songs keep track of, like, our accomplishments. And it helps us move through the challenges. And Brad's new song is like a testament. I just thought, I just, yeah, that was a heavy day. And I just want to say this, Brad. Like, one thing I used to know, my mom used to always talk about was Santana. And how he would do free concerts on flatbed trucks in the ghetto. And I always thought that was so cool. It's like an ahi. Yeah, you can charge somebody 200 bucks an hour to fucking record and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, but you give somebody one ahi, you know, you jam somebody one song kind of a thing. It's for life. Like, no, 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 I'm already married. No, no, she's single. Take that truck. You know, oh, no, 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 it's just on ahi. I just ain't jamming. No, hey, you good, boy. You sing so good. She's single. <laughs> the cost I ain't getting shirts, I promise. Well, that's kind of weird and tricky, too, is because we live in such a tight time. Everybody's broke. There's no, not much money going around unless right. you come here with it. Right. Um, that trying to not lose the fact that the music is just for the joy, especially after you've been doing it forever and you do play a gig at the bar and they do pay you 200 bucks for your time or right. whatever it ends up being, right. it's easy to get lost down that road where it's like, Oh no, I'm not gonna show up unless there's money involved. And it's it's tricky, and it's tricky, especially to like know where to apply yourself. Because it's one thing to like do community stuff, and it's another thing to do like community stuff. No, totally. Yeah, totally. like things that really super matter, really are super important. Yeah, it's it's super. It's discouraging. It can get very discouraging, and especially if you want to be an original artist. Yeah, that's the thing. It gets really. I mean, for one, elevated people are not at bars. <laughs> so it's like, and a lot of elevated people that want to hear elevated things are probably in a house with their girlfriend or their dog or their boyfriend in their forest, like far away from everybody else too. So it's like, but why stop? You know, my whole thing is like, that's where all the best music comes from is the most uncomfortable places, you know, not always, but. Sometimes it is uncomfortable when you see a beautiful rainbow and you like you lack the words to describe it. It's like mm-hmm. get into that. That's one thing I love about music. It's like a it's a life death thing. Like you can die in the song and you can rise from the song kind of a thing. But I you always see people who charge original material, you know? And it's it's the love you have for it that people end up being attracted to and they see what it's doing to you and and um <clears throat> I, w- I would like to see one thing i miss about old days is that we didn't have all the technology right so collaboration was a challenge and when it happened like you always had to have the person with you you know and then nowadays it's just tricky because you can have so much content but because of the um the accessibility of the technology we don't need to interact with each other as much which makes it super just different you know mm-hmm. where i think music is constantly it's a social thing it's trying to pull you know humans together because who the hell i mean who's who's dancing you know i mean like, otherwise who's dancing and that's the thing is like why are we gonna why are we gonna like work the music you know sorry just for entertainment just for a paycheck you know like what is that you know and maybe that's why you know it's tricky like it's the listening to music is different nowadays it really is and the contact the content is super sad like in the old days we had some like tina turner like get up off your feet kind of drama you know but these days dude like it's straight like suicide. Like it's super sad. Mm-hmm. And it's really good music too. So right. it's haunting. It's like you get sucked in. And it's like, it's so easy because music holds value structure. So it's like, no, all of a sudden, I mean, me, I'm listening like, oh my God, I'm so sad. You know, like not like corn kind, like different, you know, kind of mad sad. It's like, no, like you start slipping and falling and falling and falling. And um, 
but yet it's like music whether we're looking at it or not it's 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 literally our storyboard humans what do you call it? it's like our, our narrative to our movie it's like if you can you know bring it back into the fucking universe you know what i mean like <laughs> we, we need I was to say this. In the old days, guys play endless live events, garages, bars, hotels, somewhere in the middle of the desert, next to dead bodies buried in the sand, wherever, before they caught an album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before they caught an album. Nowadays, you got these peeps, they'll drop like 10 albums, and then you get on a live stage and it's like, uh, uh. Uh, you know, sound the right, but they don't got the energy. You know, they just mm-hmm. don't got that energy. And that's one thing I just, I just wanted to put out out there. It's like, it's like we all, it, we all can, you know, the the music is cool for like self reflection, but where it's true, like, um, essences is like, I don't know, I fucking lost it. <laughs> I just miss like. I miss, I miss music. I feel like '90s was like the shit. Right. I really do. Yeah. No. It seems dim- it's different now. It's yeah. more empty. There's some cool stuff out there. Don't get me wrong, but it's like whatever happened to the Nirvanas and like just the different kind of things. Like you had guys that kind of had like farm city kind of weird, just fly on the wall scenarios. Like I really love the fly on the wall. Like. Just like nobody cared. It was in the back of the truck, around the corner, in the warehouse, under the, the dust room, you know? And then, like, you got, like, Alice in Chains, you know? You got this unique, like, sound, you know? And it's like, I don't know, nowadays it's just like, like a lot of stuff we're talking about, there's just a lot less um, running into the playing one string, you know, all the fun, just the, 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 just, perfection yeah it's just the stuff like like i think like johnny cash dude like just old school stuff so smooth like movies nowadays special effects shitty acting you watch a good film no special effects you know camera placement yeah camera placement yeah (laughs) you know it's like oh it's like yeah you put a camera in the right spot tell a good story you know and it's like I don't know where I was going with that, but you play one more song. Sure, with words, maybe. Yeah. Sure. What What could I play? Uh, let me think. Let me think. Is that too high? Oh, that's too high. Oh, I want to play one of my mom's songs, but she killed me. Oh, here we go. We can do it from inside. From inside. Memorized freestyle. High-risk youth counselor. Illegal intervention. Needed now. Kids throwing a freaking chair through a window. I see people, universes, all the thoughts that pass by I put it in my eyes and through my mind appreciate things All the objects, observations I put in my experience And sentences to explain the symbol, the thing that represents the object I'm thinking of and then through manifestation I have my heart, I have my heart and will We need to be still to make it come from the one Make it come from inside But make it 
come from Make it come from inside Well cause to make someone happy All you have to do is be In the moment With the gifts that you receive We just pass them all around Circulate the energy So that stagnation Will not be an inspiration For the future The youth need somewhere Where they can put their feet And then let the roots grow The sun will shine Too many days for us to comprehend So we might as well be right here right now We might as well stay here right now We might as well be We're here right now Well, cause to make someone happy, all you have to do is be In the moment, with the gifts that you receive We just pass them all around, circulate the energy Stagnation will not be an inspiration for the future The youth need somewhere where they can put their feet And then let the roots grow, the sun will shine Too many days for us to comprehend So we might as well be right here right now We might as well stay here right now Might as well be We're here right now So we Don't become Confused So we We don't get lost Well, how's that? Yeah, that's Hualalai Keohuloa here on the Live Ukulele podcast. Hualalai is kind of a tricky guy to find. If you've heard the songs on the podcast, you might want to look him up. But uh, um, if you Google Hualalai music, you're not going to find him. You're going to find a bunch of stuff about Hualalai. The song is a song called Hualalai. Uh, but I'll put a link to his YouTube and his SoundCloud in the podcast description. That's probably the best way to listen to more of his stuff. Some of it's more like produced beats that he raps over. But if you poke around, I think you'll find some cool stuff that you like. And I think this is this is kind of typical of Hawaii. You have like just incredible talent. And it's completely off the radar. You gotta be in the know. You gotta know where the next gig is to go and get a CD if you can even get a CD anymore certainly it's not on iTunes or Spotify or whatever but hopefully you folks pulled some inspiration from that yeah thanks again to Hualalai for coming over hopefully we're going to start recording some stuff here coming up shortly get some like uh, you know, recording's a, f- a funny thing. Whereas if you do it yourself, it tends to take forever and it's harder because you got to push all the buttons and manage everything. But if you can have just just somebody to press the record button, it really makes life a lot easier. So we've come full circle, and now I'm gonna provide that for him and try and help him record some of his stuff and you know get out some some music that's fresh, new recordings. I don't know if the songs will be new. I'm not exactly sure what we're doing yet. But when that goes out into the world, you know, um, be sure to let people know. That'll be somewhere for you to find. Otherwise, I hope to catch you at the March 23rd fretboard workshop. Once again, the link is in the podcast description, or you can just go to liveukulele.com slash store to register. Hope to see you there. And if you're on Facebook, check out Live Ukulele with Brad Bordessa. Give it a like and a follow. Share one of your favorite things. 
post, say hi, whatever you want to do. I'm not really super hip on Facebook, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I'll catch you all in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, leave a review of the podcast, all that good kind of stuff. Appreciate you folks, and I'll see you next time. Ah, uh, hooey ho. Hoo.